Hello. Hi, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll start in, in around 10 minutes. I opened the room earlier, um, but we, we will be starting. Um, if you want to come up to the stage to um, ask questions later, um, please come up to the stage. And um, yeah, you can, the, the, our guest speaker, Dr. Hannah Alunim, she will uh, present this PowerPoint presentation. So, but uh, yeah, we'll start in around eight minutes. Thank you. Hi, there you are. Great, perfect. It worked. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yes, yes, I can hear you. Thank you so okay. much. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Perfect. We'll start in around seven minutes. Um, yeah. Okay, I'll... that's fine. <clears throat> if, yeah, is, if it, uh, is it loud enough? Yes, I can hear you perfectly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my question about the phone calls were, were actually referring to my calls. Yes, exactly. So when you get a phone call, we will see on your um, 
on your profile uh, picture, we will see a tiny symbol that says like a tiny phone call symbol. So everyone knows just to wait for a minute or so. Um, and then like um, it will just resume right back when when the phone call is gone. So you don't need to do anything. Just either just decline the phone call or take really quick the phone call and then you, the app just continues after the phone call. No, no, I, I, no, I, I won't reply, but uh, just just to know because I don't know what. Uh, sometimes when I talk uh, via WhatsApp, it stops the call actually. Oh, it's complete. Oh, it's gone then. Yeah, here it's not gone. He's just on hold, basically. So, okay, fine. Yeah. Fine. Better. Oh, I didn't realize that on WhatsApp it's gone. Yeah, well, let's hope that nobody calls. <laughs> yeah, if not, just click the link again and you're back. But usually it just... Yeah, it's just on hold for for a few seconds, and then um, and then it should work. Okay. Oh. 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 How was your day today? Everything. Well, quite quite intensive. Let me see. Am I in? Because I I, I don't see anything now. Uh, yes, you are. It's probably just um, so you can, if you click on the top, sometimes the um, the room just um, minimizes. So it's all the way on the bottom. Do you still see mm -hmm. the microphone on the bottom? Um, so okay. if you just click in the middle on the bottom, it should um, it just it should expand again. Okay. So in the middle where, so to the left is our pictures and then to the right okay. is the microphone. Now, now I see the slide. Okay, perfect, yeah, exactly. So I, I, leave, it, I leave it as this. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, and um, yeah, well, I will, uh, I will say uh, slide two, please, slide three, please, okay? Yeah, that's good, because if somebody uh, missed a slide for whatever reason, then they always know where you're, where you are right now. So I think that's the best way. Okay, thanks. Sure. <clears throat> Is everyone back to to having no mask here in New York? The mask mandate is gone. It's almost gone now. So, but people still wear masks here. Well, very few here in Israel. Well, <clears throat> of course, if you go into a mall or so, you are obliged to to put. But otherwise, there are restaurants and uh, other places. No. Have you been to Israel? No, I haven't. I would love to go. I hear it's so beautiful. So, um, so, so we have to find the right opportunity. Yes, I would. <laughs> it's one of my yeah, one of the places I really would like to go. 
I always had, I just have been, you know, all over Europe, of course, and then just to the US. I haven't been on other, con like, you know, other places too much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll find the opportunity. Oh, that would be perfect. <laughs> yeah. That would be great. Thank you. Okay, you, you tell me when I start, right? Yeah, we'll wait maybe another minute and then I'll... Yeah, 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 no hurry. Tammy, it is great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just learned a tiny bit of Hebrew at some point, very long time ago. So I yeah? Yeah, but it's a long time. I don't know anything anymore. It's so sad. Okay. I forget things so easily when I don't use them. Then I forget everything. Yeah, it happens to all of us. But uh, before coming, you may practice your Hebrew. Yes. <laughs> or maybe I... There's a... I'm trying to get my kids to uh, speak more Portuguese again. So there's a there are a few good um, apps where you just practice speaking again. So. Yeah, yeah, there are there are currently many many apps. Uh, how many kids do you have? I have three. One is already three. grown up. He's already twenty two now. Wow! Yeah, he already moved out. It was hard. It was last year he moved out. It was so hard for me. Because wow, I was young. I was, I was 18 when I had him, so I was really young. Wow. But I didn't wow. know being an adult without having him around, so it was hard. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. And then I have a 12-year-old boy and an 8-year-old girl. Wow. Yeah. And you live in New York? Yes, we live in in, in Williamsburg, in Brooklyn. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, the <clears throat> schools are good. So, yeah, it's good. Just becoming right. very expensive to live here. Becoming what? Very expensive. The prices went up after the pandemic like crazy here. here especially in Brooklyn. Everywhere and Tel Aviv became the the most expensive town in the world. Oh my God! Really? Oh wow! <coughs> yeah. <coughs> yeah, they they announced just last week about. It. Oh, well, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Portugal, this it's also very expensive now. My mother bought a few years ago an apartment by the water now, by the ocean. <laughs> Glad that she bought a few years ago. Now it's already more than double the price of her. Yeah, yeah, well, everywhere, everywhere. My son lives in uh, Cambridge in UK, and they <clears throat> they will uh, spend April in Portugal. Oh, nice. And, yeah, well, they, they like. I hope in the south, because in the north, it's, it's just rain in April. April is the yeah. worst. In the north. In the south is good. Yeah. Lisbon is good and in the south. <coughs> okay. So welcome everyone to the Science Society. Um, thank you for coming. And um, I really um, 
very uh, proud to announce uh, to have this um, amazing uh, researcher coming to our club to present. And um, please meet everyone, Dr. Hannah Alunim. Uh, Hello. <laughs> and she will talk about her um, very important and impactful autism research. And um, let me just um, talk a little bit about um, Dr. Lunim. Um, she has a PhD in mental health and she's a researcher and expert in autism spectrum um, disorder. And she's the founder and head of the Mifni Center for treatment training and research in Israel since 1987. And she's also the head of the therapist training school for autism in infancy at the Bar Ilan University um, since 2001. Dr. Lonim has also developed the ESPASI screening scale for the detection of the autism prodrome in the first year of life and established the first unit for the detection of high risk in infants at the Icholov Hospital in Tel Aviv. Dr. Lunim is a committee member of the ICF corset for ASD in Stockholm since 2016. So thank you so much, Dr. Lunim, for being here. It's a great honor to have you and the stage is yours. Thank you, Dr. Katarina Kunian. Uh, thank you for inviting me to present my paper and thank you for the introduction. So uh, I'm really glad to uh, speak at the clubhouse for the first time. So I'm a bit excited as well. And um, I'd like to apologize for coughing because I've got some cold. So I hope it won't be very bad. So <clears throat> as we know, the prevalence of autism in the world has been consistently increased. And the current prevalence in the USA, we can uh, see the second slide, is one in 47 kids. One in 47 kids is diagnosed with autism. In Europe, in the third slide, we can see in the UK, one in 70 kids is diagnosed with autism. In Poland, one in 150. Switzerland, one in 70. Israel, the next slide, uh, the tiny Israel has the same rates of one in 70 kids who is diagnosed with autism. And the next one in the Far East, we can see in Japan, one in 55 kids is diagnosed with autism. In South Korea, one in 38 kids. And in Hong Kong, one in 27 kids. Well, in medical terms, the prevalence of more than one in 300 people is considered to be an epidemic. 
Of course, we are still in the phase of the global COVID-19 epidemic, but the prevalence of autism is much higher. Though we have also to say that there is quite an amount of overdiagnosis uh, all over the world. I'd like to dedicate this talk to a brave lady whose name is Ina Markovic, who established a kindergarten for young children with autism in Kiev and managed to get them out of Ukraine last week and brought them to Romania and Israel. And I'm so excited to tell about this. In this talk, I'll present a retrospective study of prodromal variables associated with autism among a global group of infants during their first year of life and the significance of its detection, which was recently published in the International Journal of Pediatrics and Neonatal Care. Just to be on the same page, I'll say that, uh, can we have the sixth uh, slide? That autism is a neurodevelopmental disorder emphasized by two main criteria. One is persistent deficit in social interaction and communication. And the second, restricted repeti uh, repetitive <coughs> patterns of behavior, interest, or activities. But these are just definitions of the frame concept. We know that autism is more than the sum of its parts and involves quite a, a few comorbidities as well, like epilepsy, tuberous sclerosis, motor disorders, ADHD, and many more. ASD is a multi-etiology phenomenon. Talking about the extreme increase of autism and the impact of the environment, there is also room to ask the question, can we have the seven slide? Does the accelerating growth of technologic media influence epigenetic mutations? This is not just about the screen stimuli itself. This is also about families dynamic. We often see parents uh, staying with their babies, but, but not really being with them since they are in a sort of alert position, attentive to a message, email, or any information which they don't want to miss. Slide eight, please. Well, brain and genetic science studies provide strong evidence that there is a transaction between genetic predisposition and early environmental factors, which influence the development of the brain, while dynamic and significant growth of neurons take place, creating a web of cells that controls sensory, emotional, cognitive regulation. Uh, slide nine, please. The problem of autism is characterized by impairment in the emergence of neurodevelopment predictors associated with the onset of autism. 
Well, three and two decades ago, when parents of children with autism were asked when they first noticed that something was irregular in their child's development, they usually expressed two typical responses. First was the major group actually said, our child develops normally until the age of one year, and then the regression began. And there was a second group, mostly of mothers, who said, I felt from the very beginning that something was wrong with my baby, but everyone kept saying that I was a hysterical mother. Parents who arrived for an interview with their three years old children who had been already diagnosed on the autism spectrum were asked whether they had videos of their children from their first year of life. So videos were obtained of infants who were consistently monitored by their parents before any suspicion concerning their infants developed development uh, arose. So this was really very interesting because one, once parents, most of the parents realized that something went wrong with their child development, they stopped filming them. So the study which was carried by the Mifna Center and Barilani University was intended to evaluate whether early signs associated with the later development of autism could be detected amongst very young infants and at what age. Let me please briefly say just a few words about the MIFNE approach, which was developed since 1987. Uh, MIFNE, which means a turning point, uh, provides an early therapeutic intervention for toddlers with uh, autism and infants at high risk for autism and their nuclear families. There are three-stage treatment framework, which includes uh, first the uh, intensive treatment, the core component of the intensive therapeutic environment consists of residential program occurring over a three-week period to support parents in processing their unknown new reality fears, a, to increase their understanding and coherency, and to improve their daily parental skills. The treatment program focuses on the entire range of the infant's developmental components, physical, sensory, motor, emotional, and cognitive. The second stage is an aftercare treatment at home for a few months with qualified MIFNE therapists who were graduates of the therapist training school at the Barilan University. And the third stage is integration in nurseries by therapists mediation. Can we have number 10? The study which was conducted over a decade examined 
video recordings of 110 infants during their first year of life, <clears throat> who are later diagnosed with autism between the ages of two and a half and three years old. <clears throat> there were 84 boys and 26 girls between the ages of three <clears throat> of three and 15 months uh, from Europe, United States, Australia, and Israel. There were two criteria for inclusion of children in this retrospective evaluation of home videos. First, the home videos uh, provided by the parents cover the period from at least three months old until 15 months. And second, <clears throat> all the children who were filmed on the videotapes received the diagnosis of autism between the ages of two and a half and three and a half years. The videos were encoded according to monthly periods of time from three months, four months, etc. In addition to the videos analysis, we used also parents' questionnaires focusing mainly on sleeping and eating, which um, didn't appear much on those uh, video recordings. The variables investigated in the study were evaluated in terms of age development, behavior, and context, and were measured according to parameters of time and frequency of the phenomenon. Um, I will present the identified developmental variables which are associated with autism among the group of infants. Well, since uh, this is an open lecture to the public, I, uh, I apologize, but I won't be able to show video clips of the infants due to confidentiality, of course. So, <clears throat> slide 11. The first, uh, the first uh, symptom we <clears throat> we could see was, of course, lack of eye contact, which was found in seventy-seven point three percent of the babies. Well, lack of eye contact is one of the obvious characteristic of autism. The <clears throat> the infant's uh, eye contact with the parents was examined. Uh, measures of eye tracking included in which direction did the infant look, for how long was their averting gaze, when did the infant lower their gaze, uh, eye, eye contact uh, during closeness or distance, eye contact during feeding, during play, etc. So, the, qu the question we uh, had and still have is if deficient eye contact is the result of a deficiency in making contact or if the lack of eye contact restricts making contact since 
lack of eye contact from the beginning of the baby's development may create a different perception. Well, this is still a core question for all of us. We could see common patterns of eye contact in different positions, for, for example, when infants were lying vertically sitting or horizontally held in their parents' arm, arms. Slide 12 refers to lack of reaction to the presence or voice of parents, especially calling of their baby's name, which was observed in 44.5%. There is no uh, turning of the head, there is no uh, deflection of the infant's gaze, no smile, no babbling, there is no attempt to divert attention, there is no reaction to parents while entering in the room or departing, it was evident that the infants who did not react to voices also did not react to presence and vice versa. There were no infants amongst those infants who reacted to presence, but did not react to voices which characterizes babies with hearing loss. And we know that even in case of hearing impairment, there would still be a reaction to the parental presence. The majority of uh, biological research concerning the development of social behavior has concentrated on cortical-related activity, mostly the amygdala limbic system and the medial prefrontal systems. While some evidences have been presented for the involvement of brainstem projection in the social engagement of humans, particularly of human infants. Dr. Roni Geva from the Barilan University found that early brainstem dysfunction detected during its major maturational spurt in the late prenatal period may affect the modulation of gaze as a, gaze a, as a function of arousal to social stimuli, thereby compromising social engagement. Well, uh, currently advances in stem cell model systems enable investigation investigation of uh, fetal processes that are um, remarkably similar to in vivo development. Um, can we have the number 13, which refers to excessive passivity, appeared in also in 44.5% of the babies in this study. This variable was defined in cases of lack of cry, very little movement, lack of curiosity, lack of interest in, in what is happening in the surroundings, lack of efforts to attain an object. There is no initiative, uh, no complaint. 
what we usually call an easy baby. Certain brainstem functions, essentially the auditory brainstem response first emerge around 30 to 33 weeks gestation, a period at which many premature births, uh, births occur. This period is a critical one for major development changes and uh, the auditory pathways in the brainstem, including uh, myelination. And we know that disruptions in myelination may disrupt white matter maturation and the integrity of neural connectivity and synchronization of neural oscillation. The fourth uh, symptom was motor development delay. Can we have number 14, which appeared in 33.6% of the babies. And I would like to put some more emphasis on motor development. Although this variable was not significant in relating to autism in the past, Motor disturbances play a major part in the phenomenon of autism and can be used to diagnose the risk of autism in first few months of life. According to Guy Horev, an Israeli researcher who investigated in motor behavior in day old mice, can we have number 15, please? It is possible to see that in mice with typical development, the body is in symmetric position, while in atypical development, there is an asymmetry in the basic body position during the first weeks of life. This research supports another study published in uh, 2010 that found a microdeletion in chromosome P16, which affects the motor development. This chromosome has been found in 2% of children with autism. An asymmetry body position during the first months of life can be one predictor for risk of autism. Furthermore, the Simon uh, Simplex collection showed that damaging de novo mutation, we refer to mutation which were not found in parents, are significantly correlated with measures of impaired motor skills. If we look at uh, <clears throat> slide number 16, we can see one of those novel mutations, which was found in 2017 and pointed out of a relationship between motor skills, uh, deficiencies, and the severity of ASD in very young children. This can also be seen in uh, asymmetric crawling with dominance on one side of the body. And we see more and more infants <clears throat> crawling uh, in this way. Slide number 17, please. 
refers to excessive activity, including repetitive behaviors, which appeared in 28.2% of the infants, which means consistent restless and often uncontrolled movement, consistent cry without a medical <coughs> cause, and <coughs> obsessive occupation with an object, uh, analytic observation of all the developmental components of the infants pointed to lack of regulation, which uh, were expressed in many cases by excessive activity. <clears throat> uh, brainstem injury has been found to disrupt uh, physiological regulation and homostasis. This disruption may impact the autonomic nerve system. Uh, they also affect a visceral homostasis modulation of internal states, such as hunger and thirst. Uh, all of these systems are <coughs> interrelated and moderate emotional and attentional regulation in infants during the neonatal phase. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, and we move to the <clears throat> slide number, number 18, which refers to refusal to eat or rejection <clears throat> of feeding, which appeared in 20.9% of the babies. Well, abnormalities in eating habits were discussed as associated features of the autism disorders by uh, Laura Wink in 1987, but was not given much attention. Uh, <clears throat> we have to <clears throat> recall that in the initial months of life that represent the neurophysiological regulation state, uh, feeding is a central factor in the infant's ability to regulate himself. The development of ability for self-regulation, personality characteristics, the cognitive and learning processes will all determine the baby's future capabilities, as Winnicott said in 1965. Most of the children who have been diagnosed on the autism spectrum display characteristic of eating difficulties from the very uh, early stages of life. And the DSM-5 finally mentioned eating difficulties as one of the criteria associated with autism. I'll just say that food refusal is defined as the consumption of fewer than the number of calories necessary or the rejection of food. And food overselectivity is defined as choosing only a limited number of food staffs consuming an inadequate variety of food staff. However, most of the eating problems in children with autism can be included in the category 
of behavioral and sensory difficulties. <coughs> Sorry. It could, <clears throat> it could be presented by abnormal sucking reflex, rejection of breastfeeding by reflux, refusal to eat, lack of adjustment to solid food, abnormal chewing motion, fixation on minimal variety of food, <clears throat> lack of curiosity regarding food, and aversion to various smells and textures. Many children are afraid of the change in the food shape that accumulates in the mouth. They experience fear of chewing the, uh, and, and swallowing the food since the food disappeared, which is a sense that cannot be contained and may, <clears throat> and may cause anxieties. So <clears throat> eating problems <clears throat> are a major uh, component in, in autism. Slide 19 refers to accelerated growth of head circumference, which was found in 12.7% of the babies. And according to the studies of Eric Korshen, brain overgrowth in males infants with autism involved an abnormal excess number of neurons in the prefrontal cortex, which is also <clears throat> responsible for emotional and behavioral processing. Now, though uh, prefrontal abnormality has been uh, theorized to underlie some autistic symptoms, the cellular defects that cause abnormal overgrowth still remain unknown. The last uh, symptom, <clears throat> slide 20, refers to aversion to touch, which was found in 10,000, eh, 10% of the infants. Physical touch relates to the amount of mass that physical proximity that, that the, the infants allows. Uh, the definition of uh, recoil relates to uh, contraction of the of or arching back <clears throat> and expression of uh, dissatisfaction when the infant is held, cuddled, or kissed. The difficulty in allowing contact usually stems from a tactile overload that makes the infant feel uncomfortable or even pain. Difficulties in sensory uh, processing characterize autism, of course, and although for decades the literature reported on a lack of res responsiveness as a sensory deficiency, in the last two decades, it has become clear that this is actually uh, the other way around, uh, oversensitivity in the tactile, visual, and audio and oral systems. 
Since this involves a lack of integration between the systems, there may be a lack of sensory modulation and a lack of uh, <clears throat> integration among the systems causes difficulties in sensory modulation. Lack of sensory modulation may create confusion and anxiety as well as a tactile excessive sensitivity in children. It is important to stress that a number of the variables associated with early symptoms of autism, <clears throat> which were detailed in this study, were explored through the research process and did not exist at that, at that time in the literature uh, in their full clinical descriptions, for example, excessive passivity, eating disorders and motor disorders as well. Uh, <clears throat> in the second phase, a cross-sectionals uh, was conducted. Um, we can see in slide uh, 21, comparing each identified symptom against the other in order to identify pairs of variables uh, whose common occurrence was clearly apparent. The findings show that <clears throat> early screening of risk for autism may be based on the ability to identify some combinations of uh, indicative symptoms, which helps in, uh, increase reliability, of course. And some of the significant combinations seen in this table uh, <clears throat> were lack of eye contact with lack of reaction, excessive passivity with lack of eye contact, excessive passivity and lack of reaction, lack of eye contact and detailed motor, excessive activity and lack of eye contact, excessive passivity and detailed and delayed motor. We can see that lack of eye contact is involved in most of the peers combination. So uh, <clears throat> slide number 22, if we look at the 110 babies who uh, participated in this study, we can see that 5.5% of the babies were diagnosed with uh, pathologies, like genetics or metabolic ones. 5.5% uh, babies showed no signs of developmental disorders during their first year of life. But 89% of the babies did show early signs associated with the autism disorder between uh, the age of 5 to 15 months old. The analysis of the data in this study indicates that it was possible to identify early symptoms uh, which related to ASD uh, already during the first year of life. Well, as said, uh, previously, most 
of the parents had claimed that their infants had developed typically until the age of one and <clears throat> and uh, then they started to note some regression. So in a follow-up study, slide 23, we looked again at the first two years of development of the infants who were later diagnosed with autism and could see a common line of three periods in which symptoms seem to uh, increase in severity. Well, first <clears throat> is at around eight months, which is the time of beginning of crawling. The second at around the age of 14 months, which is beginning of walking, usually. And the third one at 20 months when expecting beginning of language development. So what we learned from these findings is that about the age of one, infants usually start walking and become less dependent they can reach things by themselves. And this phase usually emphasizes the autistic characteristic and thus gives the impression of regression, though the developmental deviation was actually there much earlier. Well, <clears throat> I invite you to take a look at slide number 24, which is a typical schema of neurons development. Decades of neural, cognitive, and behavioral research affirm that the human brain undergoes its most substantial and maximum development in the early postnatal years. You may see the neurons flow in a newborn baby, and then at six months, where the nerve cells are starting to combine. And this is the reason why infants at this stage start developing first basic skills. During the first two postnatal years, the human brain undergoes a profound period of establishing and refining neural connections. And this is the basis for the emergence of social cognitive networks, language and behavior. It means that we keep learning all along our lives, but our learning capabilities, as well as social tendencies, will be established during these two first years of life. Slide 25. Uh, Elsa Bach and Johnson claim that the brain is a self-organizing system. And neuroanatomical abnormalities in earlier developing structures will have consequences for later developing structures. Deficiency of one variable will have impact on other variables. 
For example, the combination of motor developmental difficulties and lack of eye contact may have impact on environmental perception and thus may lead to apraxia among <clears throat> other difficulties. <clears throat> Taking consideration of the growing data uh, <clears throat> pertaining to the early diagnosis of autism, uh, the DSM-5 states that symptoms are typically recognized during the second year of life, between 12 and 24 months, but may be seen earlier than 12 months if developmental delays are severe or noted later than 24 months if symptoms are subtle. The eliciting of neurodevelopmental variables associated with the program of autism in this study provided the basis for developing an early assessment screening scale for autism. Uh, <clears throat> this infant screening scale is called SPC, Early Symptoms of Pre-Autism Screening Scale in Infants. <clears throat> uh, you may run to the to slide 26, and which contains the eight variables which were uh, described. Well, this is not the, the picture of uh, the, not the form of espacy, but just the eight signs. And uh, the form of espacy is generally used from between five and 15 months. A pilot study using the espacy was conducted at the Suraski Medical Center, which is called Ichilov Hospital in Tel Aviv where we established the first unit for early detection of autism in infancy in 2007. It is important to emphasize that we do not put a label of autism on a very young baby. Uh, for the younger infants up till the age of one, we use the term, uh, slide 27 please, program of autism. Infants at high risk for autism, <clears throat> which define a temporary neurodevelopmental condition and which defin by definition is not yet autism, but is characterized by impairment in the emergence of behavior associated with autism. Um, <clears throat> Katerina? Uh, may I ask you if we still have some time? Yes, yes, we have time. But, we um, have time. Okay. You. Okay, thank you. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> there exist in a, at present only a few published studies analyzing the, the evidence-based efficiency of very early treatment environments for infants with ASD. For example, the Denver approach, which refers mainly to siblings of children with ASD. If we look at the, the slide 28, um, <clears throat> this is uh, just uh, some slides of a comparative study carried at the Mifne Center, which aimed to analyze two groups of infants and toddlers 
who received the MIFNA approach treatment intervention. The first group consisted of 39 toddlers aged between 24 and uh, 36 months who had a diagnosis of ASD. And this is in the orange graphs. And the second groups consisted of 45 infants aged between 12 and 24 months who have been assessed at high risk for autism by uh, various medical clinicals. And it marks in <clears throat> the green graphs. The study data was divided into four categories, consisted of engagement, play, communication, and functioning. Each table is divided into three sections, pre-treatment, post-treatment, and the difference between pre- and post-treatment, which was analyzed after six months. The results demonstrate that while improvement occurred among both infants and toddlers in all categories of neurodevelopmental behaviors, uh, <clears throat> there was significantly greater improvement among the younger group of infants who were between the ages of 12 and 24 months than the older group of toddlers. This, this finding is even more striking when considering the delta between the two groups. Uh, these findings indicate that for all four symptoms, the younger group of infants improved more significantly than the group of toddlers, despite the toddler's group better starting point. It is indeed a window of opportunity and it makes completely sense that early detection and intervention will affect neuroanatomical developmental at a stage which is most influential for the rapidly developing brain, even to the extent that the full-blown manifestation of autism can be prevented from escalation. That's why bridging the gap between early detection, assessment, and intervention is crucial for the future of any infants at risk. If we look at slide 29, um, <clears throat> it represents the worldwide average age of detection, assessment, and intervention. And we can see that in most countries, in Europe and the USA, Infants are usually detected at about 20 to 24 months by parents or family. An assessment takes place at 26, 28 months, and intervention at the best case starts at 30 to 32 months. Uh, <clears throat> it took us about 15 years and now in Israel, we are referring to detection at the age of up to 10 months, assessment not later than the age of 12 or maximum 14 months, and intervention at the age of around 14 months. Well, this gap of 12 months is crucial period of time 
which will determine for most of the kids their quality of life. If an infant with ASD is identified and, uh, treat and treatment began while early brain connections are being actively established, then brain function for that infant stands the best chance of being optimized. And this is the reason that the early identification and treatment of ASD is essential and ethically demanded. From an epistemological aspect, as well as clinical perspective, it is important to recognize that assessment for the problem of autism means assessing a real neurodevelopmental condition that is unfolding in time. It is this temporal dimension that enables the therapeutic imperative for early assessment and intervention. Therefore, we are highly recommend for pediatricians who are usually the first ones to see infants to take seriously parents' concerns and not tell, telling them to wait and come back later in about six months. This is a precious time which will never be given back, nor to the child, neither to the parents. I'd like to thank you and I'd like to take my colleagues, uh, Dr. Lieberman, Dr. Tayar, Yora uh, Shangizik, Dr. Broide, uh, for being partners in this uh, important study. And if you'd like to put slide number 30, I'd like to thank you again for your interest, for your attention, and for inviting me. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Um, really appreciate it. And this was such a great presentation and it was wonderful to follow. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah, um, I don't know if you know her. We had last week here guest speaker, Dr. Camilla um, Bellone, and she's from Switzerland. Um, and she she presented her her latest publication. So she used the Shank three mice. I don't know if you know. It's like a autism mouse model, and uh -huh. she showed that. Um, and the mouse model is, as far as as it goes for mice models, I think it's a pretty established one. And she showed that um, during inflammation the behavior uh, phenotype and also um, changes in the in the brain structure and um, she showed also gene expression changes were quite um, uh, quite significant in the in the shank mice and she could rescue the behavior by giving trpv4 um, so by acute TRPV4 inhibition, she could rescue. She could rescue it. So I think we 
we talked in, in the discussion about to give parents or doctors as soon as possible, uh, based on her research, the advice to regulate inflammation in children with high risk of autism. And your research led to a very early recognition. So yeah, I just wanted to share that study with you. I think it would be interesting to look at it and to prevent, like take measures to prevent this inflammation. Um, she even showed it in adult mice that this mm -hmm. would have, um, yeah, quite an impact that inflammation is basically very impactful. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not familiar with uh, this study, but I would be very grateful uh, if you could uh, send it to me. Um, I would love to, to read it. Uh, well, there is a huge debate among, uh, you know, the scientific field uh, about uh, the inflammation assumption. So uh, I think we have still a way to go. Um, and yeah, I, I would love to, to see this uh, study if possible. Yeah, I will share it. And maybe if you're interested, we can arrange a, a common meeting with her. <laughs> that would be interesting. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I I, I think that, um, well, it's uh, it's very powerful to uh, to have all those connections among uh, uh, researchers and um, and a lot of uh, food for salt. And um, I think that, uh, well, our, our major aim is, you know, to, um, to bridge the gap between the clinical aspects and, and the research. So, yeah, I'm very interested in, thank you. Yeah, one more, and then I ask a question that came from the audience, they wrote me, um, there was another guest speaker on Friday. She talked about her study with the microbiome in in animal and mouse animal model again that had um, basically this ultra clean, not exposed to any um, microbiomes, um, and she found that um, there there's gut microbiomes that um, that increase um, the EPS4 is metabolite 4 ethylphenosulfate. And then she saw an increase in anxiety, like a very significant increase in anxiety. And mm -hmm. she rescued that, um, that behavior um, by uh, blocking this. So I think, um, yeah, it would be, I, I asked her already maybe if she would try the same thing in this autism mouse model and see if the effect is even bigger. That would be also interesting. Yeah, well, of course, because anxiety becomes more and more acknowledged as a major part of autism. Yeah. And, um, and, and, uh, and we know that that uh, <clears throat> high level of anxieties develop OCD as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the 
thing it was that she saw differences then in the oligodendrocyte function in her, mm -hmm. in her animal. So is there, uh, I'm not sure right now, is there a difference in the, in the oligodendrocytes in, um, in autism too? I, I'm not sure right now, but uh, I think there might be, right? Hello. Oh, couldn't you? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll um, I'll ask the question now from the audience, if you can hear me. Well, would, um, <coughs> uh, Katerina. Yes. If I may, if I may, is yes. it possible? Is it possible to send the questions by email or by, or by, uh, uh, by phone? So. <coughs> that I can stop coughing. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. So, I'm, sorry for, I'm sorry for this. Oh, I'm so sorry that we we got you, like you had to talk so much. Um, I, I really well, it was, You know, it was my choice to talk so much, but but I, I feel it gets worse. So so I, I would love to answer any question if you could uh, send it to me. Is it possible? Yes. Yeah, I'll send you the question and then I'll answer to um, people in the audience. I'll, I'll send them back. I'm happy to do that. I really appreciate Thank you so much. I hope you feel better. I hope it Thank didn't you. make your voice too much worse. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Thank you so much for consideration. And <clears throat> I wish all of you all the best and a lot of peace around us yes that's very important now and thank you so yeah. much for your research and your work you're helping so many people uh it's a, it's a wonderful work you're doing thank you so much katarina okay bye bye, bye. have a good have a good evening thank you you too we really appreciate bye -bye. it thank you bye um, yeah, so everyone in the audience, if you have uh, more questions, please um, share them with me. You can either text me or contact me on Twitter uh, by direct message if you have more questions. And I will let uh, Dr. Lunen know and give them back to you. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for coming. And uh, we'll have more guests speakers um, uh, coming up this week so follow the club if you were interested and um, yeah thank you again everyone. special thanks to come although you're sick I'm sorry but thank you have a good day or morning or evening wherever you are thank you <laughs>